Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. You're listening to Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Children as young as eight years old were injured in Monday's mass shooting in Highland Park, and many more saw parents, friends, and community members injured or killed. So we want to talk about how to process a traumatic event like this with the children in your life. Dr. Tali Raviv is a child clinical psychologist and associate director of the Children for Childhood Resilience at Lurie Children's Hospital. We talked to her about advice for talking with kids, but also advice for parents whose children experience a traumatic event like this. We last spoke to you after the school shooting in Uvalde, and I'm sorry that we're talking again so soon, but how are you processing this today? I Look, this is what I do for... Um for my professional life. And yet that doesn't make me immune to the same kinds of um, shock, horror, disbelief, frustration, anger, all of those feelings that I have as just a parent to four children. Um, As a member of a community, I grew up uh, next door to Highland Park in in Northbrook. Uh, I have a lot of friends and family um, who are in Highland Park. So this really hits close to home. Um, and you know, all you can do is really take the time to, that you need to kind of think about process, talk to, talk to loved ones, um, and hug your children tight. What advice do you have uh, for parents uh, of kids? Uh, You know, hugging them tight is one thing, but I'm thinking of the parents of kids who were actually there yesterday in Highland Park at the parade, having a grand time before shots ring out. How are they supposed to help those kids process what they saw? Yeah, well, first and foremost, I would remind all parents, because they're going to be worried about their children, I would remind all parents that children have the capacity to be extremely resilient when they get the right supports. And so it is going to be normal that some children, more than others, will have some reactions to this event. And so I think, first of all, starting the conversation, opening up the lines of communication, but following the lead of the child. So I wouldn't push conversations on them. Little children often process in small bits of information. They can't sit down necessarily and talk for an hour. So it may come up at various times. So just signaling that you're going to put down what you're doing. You're open to having that conversation, Uh, not talking about it, can make it seem even more threatening in their mind. Um, Mm -hmm. Silence might make them think that you're not ready to talk about it. And sometimes kids think it's their job to protect you. Um, And so really making space for those conversations and making sure that you as the adult are taking good care of yourself so that you can um, be there for your child. And if you can't, um, then thinking about who else um, could you tap, you know, what other friends or family members could could really be be doing that to your for your child. Yeah. And, and your advice of starting the conversation, is that also relevant for, for parents or for families who weren't at the parade? Yeah, absolutely. I think. Um, I think it's always good. You know, media is everywhere. Kids are likely to hear about this if they haven't heard about it directly from you or heard it on the news. They're going to hear about it from a friend. So starting the conversation and letting them know they may have heard something and that you're here to answer questions, um, correct any misinformation. Um, Start with what have they heard so that you understand what they know. Correct anything that's inaccurate. 
um, and encourage them to talk to you about how they're feeling. Yeah. Explaining this type of event to a small child we know is different than talking to a teenager, say Ethan, for instance, our caller earlier. How do parents approach this for the different age groups? So it's, it's a great question. We First of all, I want to point out that we do have a lot of resources on our website, childhoodresilience.org, um, and they do talk about different um, recommendations as well as different signs and symptoms to be on the lookout for by um, age range. And so those are really great resources that we encourage families to take advantage of if they have any questions. I think for, um, for all children, you want to work with their level of understanding, what is their um, developmental age? What can they understand? And for all of them, it's important to know that um, that these events are rare, even though they don't always seem like they are. They are rare, and adults are working to keep them safe, trying to get them back to their routines as much as possible. Um, and really talking for older teens, I would uh, sometimes things like Ethan was saying, you know, what can I do to either help that community directly or be involved in activism? If that's something that speaks to, to you or your family or your child, mm-hmm. because I think a lot of times everyone's looking for, for what can we do? What can we do? Are there warning signs we can be watching for in, in children who might be experiencing trauma right now? Yeah. So first of all, I would be, um, I would be looking at those children who are more likely to experience, um, you know, more uh, extended effects. Those children are ones who were there or knew someone who was hurt or injured. Um, and any young people who had any pre-existing um, mental health difficulties, pre-existing trauma, anxiety, those are kids to keep an extra close watch on. Um you always, in the short term, especially for children who were directly exposed, it's normal to have some difficulty sleeping, maybe increased clinginess, um, you know, worries, you know, not looking like they're enjoying things as much as they used to. But if that is persisting, um, you know, beyond two, three weeks or a month, depending on their level of exposure, that might be some, a time to kind of get them some extra support or mental health support. Um, also, any changes in functioning. So if they're not wanting to do things they used to do, if they um, are seeming very withdrawn and sad all the time, um, those are things to look for. And of course, if there's any conversation or thoughts about death or dying or hurting themselves, those are, those are some signs that they should get some immediate support. Any other resources that you want to recommend for for parents and families right now? I think the um, National Child Traumatic Stress Network, nctsn.org, has a number of resources available about all types of traumatic events, and they have um, them available for parents and caregivers and teachers, um, mental health providers, pediatricians, and so that's another great resource. We also link to several of their resources, as I said, on on our website. Some great advice there from Dr. Tali Raviv. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Thanks for listening to Reset. We work hard to bring context and analysis to the big news stories of the day, like the mass shooting in Highland Park, Illinois. We're here every weekday and often on the weekends, too. Thank you for listening. I hope we'll meet again soon. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.